Hello, newsies. Welcome to episode number 69. Nice! Of, uh, of get the flick out of here. Um, so I wanted to pick one that was the nicest thing we could, um, the nicest review. Movie so nice. with the nicest review. And of course, for us, that means something ridiculously bonkers. And I think this, this um, qualifies. Um, I did not know you could watch this movie without comedians riffing over it on the internet anywhere. And I found this. You can watch it on YouTube for free in its entirety. Just search Rotor with all the little dots in there. Uh, and it'll come up. And you can watch it for free if you'd like. Uh you be the judge of whether or not you'd like after you listen to us review it. I, uh, for, I mean, the first sign of a great movie is that it's available for free on YouTube. Like yeah, when oh, yes. people have just mm-hmm. given up the idea of trying to make yeah. money off of it. Uh-huh. It's like a really good sign. Yep. Um, yeah. I feel, I'm so, I'm angry. I'm so angry at you. You watched this first. You knew this movie. This oh, was your yeah. recommendation. Mm-hmm. And I do not feel like you adequately prepared me for no, what I was going to get to. Listen, if I had prepared you for this movie, there's no way I I wasn't prepared for this movie when I watched it the first time. And the reason that I'm like, oh, we got to do this is because of the experience I had watching it while entirely unprepared. If someone had like told me, okay, watch out for this point and you got to see this scene and whatever, then I, I would have watched it and I would have known what was coming. Um, and, and I didn't want that for you. I wanted you to go in completely blind. I watched this very late last night, which made oh. it even better. Oh, perfect. I was in for a wild ride. It accomplishes so many terrible things. And like I think you almost have to keep it in because like you oh, yeah. can't you can't not see this mm-hmm. movie. Well, Mm-mm. we'll talk about it at the end, obviously. But mm-hmm. like the the way they go from like a ranch scene mm-hmm. to a robot officer tactical operation research. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what Rotor stands for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they couldn't quite figure out what the R was going to be. <laughs> So they went with research. At, there's one point in the movie where it stands for reserve for some reason, which honestly feels like that's better equipped to what it to what it should be. Because in no way is Rotor researching anything except for how to murder people for speeding. Murder, <laughs> rape, robbery, and arson mm-hmm. is today's headlines. Yes. Tomorrow's the- solutions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's oh, solution is, is Rotor. I've never taken more notes than I have, I think. Oh, no, me neither. Like, I, I was I watched it again last night, and I just had speech-to-text on my phone, and I was just talking <laughs> into it so I could never miss anything about it. This is the... So absolutely insane. There's uh, no way we can do this in an hour. Okay, no, like, not a, no, not a chance. No, Sorry, no, no. Jimmy Bann. No, no, you get, you get a... Yeah, we... No, it's... Um, this is... Okay. So, here's what you need to know about it. Um, it was originally written 
Um, <laughs> they say that the 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 director it was his original story, but another guy wrote the screenplay for it, and he assumed that the original story told to him by the director was supposed to be a parody. So that's how he wrote the script. But the director's like, no, it's a very serious picture. And so he shot the parody script seriously. He didn't like try to give, give a pass at the script, the story his own way. Um, you know, seriously, he just shot the parody script. Um, they cast one of the producers, I must, I'm, I can only imagine that Richard Gesswig, Gesswig, G-E-S-S-W-E-I-G, was a producer, listed as a producer. He probably was the money guy. Um, he never acted again. He had never acted before. One movie. We have no idea what his voice sounds like because between 85 when they finished filming it and 87 when they were like yeah i guess we could i mean robocop's a big hit let's see if we can get some people buying into this at the local video store by thinking it's robocop part two we'll release it now oh wait all of the audio tracks mysteriously disappeared or were ruined i guess we better call up everybody who was in the film and have them come in and re-record all of their dialogue. All of the dialogue in this film is dubbed. And but is it? I don't dubbed know. implies that you're dubbing over words that were originally said, and there are so many moments in this. Yes, yeah. Where it is not that. Yeah. Um, um, so, they attempted to get a hold of Richard Gesswig. Either he they couldn't find him or or he flat out refused. So they found a different guy to do all of the lines for the lead character of this movie and that guy talks all the time. <laughs> all the time. So it's we have no idea what Richard Gesswig sounded like. We have there's a there's a I can't remember the name of the, the dude they ha, they found to to do his lines, but it's it, everything. But the problem is is that when you're doing this kind of stuff, you have to match up your words with the face on the screen. And you got it perfectly timed. Also, Richard Gesswig talks like this through his teeth a lot. A lot of this stuff is like this. So. The other guy doing the voice has to like make it sound like he's talking through his teeth, and the other guy is like a a, a, a is a trained like um, uh, actor who wouldn't do that normally. So you get a lot of listen here, you. I'm gonna come in there and I'm gonna oh I'm gonna make such a mess for you, and it's it's so weird. He's gritting his teeth so much. And whoever ended up dubbing it over was like, I am an actor with yeah. diction yeah. and I project in the room or whatever. And he was like, yeah. angry bulldog face for like 90% of this movie. Um, so that's what you have to know going in. There was a, 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 a second fairly major character who they dubbed with a different uh, performer. So we'll talk about that later. 
Um, so, okay, so so the, the Rotor was also originally called Blue Steel, but then switched back to Rotor, but then switched back to Blue Steel, but then switched back to Rotor. Which so begs the question. Yeah. Yeah. How much of this movie inspired Zoolander? I don't know. A lot, I would assume, right? Um Today's headlines, it says, murder, rape, robbery, and arson. Tomorrow's solution, Rotor. Robotic Officer Tactical Operation Research. Or Reserve, whichever one we decide to use at any time. Um, And then the little thing says, our objective was to build the perfect cop of the future. A machine programmed to overcome any obstacle to combat the crimes and corruption which threaten the very existence of our society. But something went terribly wrong. Okay, so I've watched this movie probably now about eight times. Um, And last night, I really parsed it out to figure out what are they really trying to do with this? Their their idea is that it is absolutely a certainty that in 25 years, America will just be Mad Max. It'll just be marauding gangs of arsonists, raping murderers who rob all over the country and they'll just be killing regular cops left and right so we because that is an absolute certainty 25 years from 1984 so in 2009 during barack obama's first uh, term in office there's just going to be marauding gangs of murderers everywhere so um we better start making an army of robot cops now so there'll be enough to roll out in the absolute inevitability that society collapses. So that's what they're doing. I... They need to make an army of cops for 25 years from now. And right now they're designing the prototype. Sincerely think it's adorable that you watch this movie more than them. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, I watched it eight times and this times I really wanted to suss it out. They did mm-hmm. not do the work. No. They did not no, they did suss not. this out. No, they did no. not try at all. Uh, so no. God, God love you. God love you for this. Movie starts with a with a with a with a traffic copter. The, our eye in the sky, Dennis uh, Donnie Dugan. Hey Donnie, how's it going up there? Well, it's bumper to bumper out there, and then they show the traffic moving freely. Like, if you're going to have the copter say, but it's bumper to bumper, nobody's getting anywhere, and then show the freeway where there's no cars on it, I feel like that's a mistake. Well, he might have been, you know, looking up ahead. Yeah. Um, so uh, then we get to a uh, 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 random man and woman driving on the outskirts of Dallas around Lake Dallas. They're, they're going for the weekend. Uh, it's going to be a great weekend. Thank God she brought enough food, she says. Um, there's a giant explosion, and the guy stops the car. It is dusk. Uh, a man drags a woman's corpse out onto the street. It is pitch black. <laughs> like, it went from dusk to... That is not the only time that time completely changes it, immediately in this film. Uh, mm-hmm. A man drags a woman's corpse out onto the street, takes out his badge. She's in bad shape. And uh, and he says, uh, call the police. Then a random redneck shows up with a shotgun. He's like, yeah, go ahead. Call him. This old this old boy just killed a motorcycle cop. I seen it. Um, that guy was obviously dubbed, like very very obviously dubbed. So dubbed, like so dubbed. Um, also, guy in the car. I was so excited because I thought he was 
what's his name? Timothy something. He was Lou Collins in Little Big League, and he mm. was mm. CJ's yeah. counter on yeah. the West Wing. It was yeah. not him. But I was like, yeah. oh, my God, someone I recognize. And then it was yeah. not. Uh, yeah. He just looked like him. And uh, what I was like, oh, fun, a character that I'll... No. no. This movie, no um, scene makes sense with the scene before it no, for like no, for like forty five minutes. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's there's lines of dialogue that make less sense than anything that has ever happened before or after it in this movie. And we great. do this podcast, mm-hmm. yeah. Um. Uh, so anyway, he gets on the phone and he and he calls. Uh, it's weird. Um. The first thing they ask you is your full name when you call into the police station, not like what's the nature of your call or. Where are you? Yeah. yeah, no, no. Uh, hello. Yes, my name is. Uh, oh, damn! I've been murdered. Uh, like it doesn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's a weird thing that you would call him. Like, like you're trying to tell the oh, whole damn, name. I've been murdered. <laughs> oh well. Anyway, he says, "I think there's been a murder." So they cut to. He, he doesn't just say, "I think there's been a murder." He says, "I think there's been a murder." Mm-hmm. Yeah, he goes. I think there's been a murder. He thought um, he was in the parody version. He, he, yes. For sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So they're slapping the cuffs on our on our the guy that dragged the lady corpse onto this on the screen. Uh, and two detectives are going to take him downtown to division. Um, he says, all right, sir. Um, you can shower and shave downtown. It's going to be a long night. Buckle up for safety. And in the rear view mirror, some of the shots are actually kind of artful in this movie. Like the yeah, director thought are. he was doing something. Um but in the in the uh, in the rearview mirror, you could basically just see his eyes as he goes. <laughs> sure, you bet. And I'm just like, what? And then and the the guy that took detective in the front seat's like, all right. Um, and they <laughs> they drive away. And um, then he does this 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 voiceover where he says, "My name is Cold Iron, Barrett Cold Iron." Like no 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 what's what's your actual name? You didn't name your character Barrett Cold Iron. No. Cold Iron. Oh God. Um, it says two days ago I was considered a leader in the field of pol- police robotics. Today I'm looked at as a modern day Doctor Frankenstein. So two days ago, today. So that is a, a lot can happen in 24 hours. Um, this immediately had my attention. Mm. I was in it initially, and then now I'm considered a Frankenstein. I'm yeah. in. So I he says. In. He says there's a philosophical monologue about getting all the scum off the streets, maybe even eradicating it. Uh, and we lost the battle today, but we still need to win the war. And then he's like, "There must be a way to protect society from itself. There's got to be a way. There's got to be a way." As he like. It goes from like voiceover to like in the car, but he's continuing the same monologue. Um, and he just keeps saying, There's got to be a way. Um, and the detective turns around and is like, Sir? So, like, wait, has he been saying this entire thing out loud in the back seat? That's the parody. But they don't they don't know this. This is so good. One thing I've realized about movies from the 80s. <laughs> you should be very afraid. You should be yeah, very, should be very, very afraid for me. In yes. the eighties, if you thought the world was ending, it seems like there was this overwhelming need to do something about it. Where I feel mm-hmm. as now, mm-hmm. everybody's like, "Oh my god, it feels like the world is ending," and they just cope with like 
dark humor in TikTok videos. Yeah. So I think we're not um, going to get a lot of movies like these gems anymore. No, no. Um, so the way that Cold Iron is written, it's it's like he's this weird combination of like a an old west sheriff and a film noir private eye everything is just every all of his dialogue is so like heightened from a point of like like a like a like 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 it's something you would read in in a novel as opposed to hear somebody say literally ever um my god it's just like his whole <laughs> a lot a lot of that but like he's like he's talking he's talking to these two um i guess internal affairs people um in an interrogation room and they're talking like we we're we're going to go into your computer and read all your files but we want you to tell us first you know face to face what's going on i mean you, officially this is not you being arrested this is just a debriefing but we can switch it up real fast if you don't start talking it's like oh, I'm gonna I'm I'll talk for you I'll talk for you and you and about twelve high crotched federales perched behind that two way mirror. Twelve high crotched federales perched behind the two way mirror, like just the way yeah. that what? Who is this? I say that on a weekly basis. Oh, um, it's so so true. You know, when, um, I think it's airplane two. Where he yeah. takes off his sunglasses and has other sunglasses under it. Yes. When yeah. he's like, mm-hmm. give it to me straight or whatever. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. all I could yeah. think about. Yes. This. It's yes. Like the serious yeah. version of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, the he says, last Thursday started like any other day. Just say yesterday. Because the whole movie takes place over 24 hours. <laughs> Sorry. Well... Let's say 48 hours. But he hasn't gone to bed yet. He woke, this is Friday. It was Thursday when he woke up. Like, last Thursday implies a week has happened. Or at least, like, it's Tuesday, and then there was the Thursday before. But just say yesterday, because it was, this is very, I I don't think the movie knows anything about time. No. Um, He, this is where, again... It sounds like he's he's the the first person narrator of an old timey cowboy book. He's like, the day started just like any other day. A fresh October morning breeze blew across the ranch. The cattle were coming in for the morning feeding, and the buttery morning sunlight painted a golden glow through the ranch house windows. If I knew then what I know now, I would have just stood in bed. So, if you knew yesterday what you know today. It feels like there's a if you're gonna do find you then what I know now, it feels like you know, boy, if I knew what five minutes ago what I know now. I knew this movie was about a murderous robot policeman. <laughs> okay. I did not predict that the beginning of this movie was going to be lake <sighs> jaunt drive murder. Yeah. Police station ranch. Yeah, yeah. Before we even got to the, he's a rancher. When I get robot murderer, I feel like in my head we're we're kind of started with robot murderer. The idea that we're on a ranch and there's dynamite happening, 
is just wild to me. Well, the, the, you you jumped you jumped ahead of the first thing. Sorry, I didn't mean but to. He, no, this sounded no, no, like no, the narrator fine. from there's, Waiting for Gushman. There is dynamite happening. There's um, dynamite. But but in in a bit because first first we have to languidly show him waking up in the morning, like to prove what a normal morning it was. Like the camera pans slowly in a close up across a kitchen counter showing the morning news and a half-eaten donut and about eight bottles of vitamin pills and uh, some sugar cubes and a Mr. Coffee for a single cup. Um, and it's percolating, and it shows the coffee maker percolating for 30 seconds. It's a really long time, this whole shot. And they cut to his alarm clock, which switches from 4.59 to 5 a.m., and then we hear cock-a-doodle-doo, like an actual rooster. And and I don't know if that's like what the sound the alarm clock makes. Like it's a fancy new futuristic one where you can like program a, a, a rooster into it. Or if it was just a random coincidence that at 4.59 to 5 o'clock, the rooster crows outside. But he wakes up and we see him wake up. But then also in the shot, you can see that the clock says 4.50. So he went back in time 10 minutes. I don't know why, but he did. He gets out of bed and he puts on all of his ranching clothes and he goes out into the, uh, oh, oh, a jaunty little uh, country song starts playing. like Greatest soundtrack in the world. I don't know, whatever. And to because ranching, because ranching, I guess, is why the country song starts playing. This is not a Prince Not A Dance song. And he goes out and he, he takes all of his vitamins. Um, the the donut. Was it a donut he ate last night before he went to bed and didn't finish it? Or is that donut there from yesterday morning? Because if so, that's how you get ants, dude. That's care. how you get ants. I how care. are you paying this close of no, attention? No, 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 no. I've watched it eight movie. times, Keith. Eight times. What is wrong with you? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Somebody help me. I can't stop. So to clarify, like on this on this channel, Jimmy Van is not like you got to go back and you got to watch it eight times. Mm-mm, mm-mm, you got to no. make sure you guys have your I, shit together. This I He's do never this said that. to myself. I'm perfect. It is a, it is a compulsion, mouth. and I I I cannot stop it. How how I get it with some movies, but this one. <laughs> You were like, I have to know the no, donut situation. This, this, this is Arthur uh, Morgan and his pocket yeah, watch. This, like this, this is. <laughs> it's, it's very true. It's very true. I can't. These are the 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 psychosis has different sides to it. This is one of the sides. So um uh so anyway uh he 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 swigs some orange juice like out of the fridge six times. You were like, that's not enough. Okay, sorry. Mm-hmm. Continue. Um, well I. The number of times I've watched it includes the first two times before we ever actually watched it all together. So yes, that means you watched it six times. Six like times in, yes. in yes. God bless you. Yeah, I, it was mostly on in the background, just while I was doing other things. So sure. I didn't like sit yeah. down and like watch it like this six times. You understand? I'm the co-host. I'm just making that very okay. clear. I'm never going to so, care that much. <laughs> 
Nobody. I should. love you so Honestly. much. I'm never no, gonna no, watch no, no, nobody, nobody, nobody should. Nobody should. It's just me. I'm the one. <laughs> the movie anymore i just want to find out what's going on no no can't it's un it's unfind outable oh um, my god if only there was a robotic <laughs> no there isn't okay if only there so, was a what no. is it robotic officer technical operation researcher that can get to the bottom of what's going on here right anyway back at the ranch so off track. he he takes his coffee he puts i at least a dozen sugar cubes in his coffee. <laughs> he really does. Um, and then he, he reaches it with his horse. He takes a bag of orange juice, puts the orders back in the fridge, and takes a bushel of carrots with him. And then the, the the movie, while the jaunty little country song is still playing, shows him come out on his front porch and just laconically mosey across his large front lawn so he can go up to a fence where there's a horse standing there. I don't know why you're showing us any of this. Uh, and then I guess the joke is that it the, was a normal day. The, the, yes, the, but a normal day where the horse drinks coffee and he eats the carrot. That is the yeah. joke, I guess. Like every morning. Yes. This Horses is, love sugar cubes. There has coffee. never been a truer statement made by anyone <laughs> anywhere at any time than this. Ryan Sullivan. Um. <laughs> he doesn't need professional help. He needs a robotic mm-hmm. officer, mm-hmm. tactical mm-hmm. something right. researcher. So, um, then we see him. He, then cut to him on the horse, riding over to a stump, and he lassoes the stump. And then there's more, more uh, um, uh, narration where he says, um, uh, "I cheered clearing these stumps for pasture land has always been a chore." I uh, used to use dynamite or straight nitro, uh, but now there's this new primer cord with with dis, with explosives built in. Um, it means I can practice my roping while I clear the stumps. And then he, so he he sets up to a detonator and he blows the primer cord, which all it does is doesn't blow up the stump; it just sets it on fire. So the primer cord doesn't work. Is what the thing he says? Better switch back to straight nitro. Um, and the primer cord, they do all of this work to set up this rope that can explode, right? Because they want to make sure that the final thing that happens in the movie makes sense. But then they show us the primer cord not working. So I don't like, it doesn't make a lot of sense why they would then use it as the, as the deus ex machina for how we saved the world from Rotor. It's called a cinematic swerve, Alex. Right. I forgot about that. Um, so uh, now okay, now he's shaving. So he got up out of bed at five in the morning, put on all of his ranching clothes, went out um, and rode a horse out to blow up a stump with some rope. Uh, and then he came back to the house to shower and shave and put on his going to, to be a cop clothes. Because um, he's, he's a rancher and a cop and the scientist doctor. Like, yeah. it feels like Richard Gesswig says, can I be the coolest dude ever? Because he's yeah. basically Dirty Harry with a with a, with a a, a doctorate in, in robotics. Also, he's a rancher. Are you not all of those things? Well, I don't think anybody's that. I think only cold iron. Cold iron. <laughs> I'm only a cold iron. Uh, also, they don't spell it cold iron. 
No. There's one time you see it written. It looks like Coldy Ron. Like there's it a does Y look in like there. It looks like Coldy Ron. Hey, look at hey everybody. It's Ron. Hey, Coldy. Like that's that, that's what it, I don't know. Like 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 what like. one time your friend Ron had like a cold for like three weeks straight, and you also started calling him Coldy. Like, hey, it's Coldy Ron, everybody. That's what it is. This is what it feels like. It anyway. Um, so he 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 talks to his uh to his girlfriend on the phone. She's got to go into work. Whether they make plans for later, they're gonna meet up for steaks. He's gonna make steaks. Blah blah blah. So we establish he's got a girlfriend named Penny who loves him very much. But in a weird... An incredibly weird thing. Like, he's, he puts it on speakerphone and then leaves the room so you can he barely hear room? him. And the conversation is like, well, if I was married, he's like, you gotta go to work. And she's like, if I was married, I wouldn't need a job. And he mm-hmm. was like, two can eat for one or something. Like, it was just a very odd, not loving mm-hmm. conversation yeah. at all. Two can two can eat as cheap as one if one doesn't eat. Well, then two wouldn't be eating. I don't. Um, so uh, he he gets he gets into his car and he drives into Dallas. The sun is so much lower than it was when he woke up this morning at five. So again, he's gone back in time. Um, yeah. uh, there, so he gets to work. And we see a happy birthday Polly robot wearing a cop's hat. And the happy birthday Polly robot gets dapped up by a janitor who's carrying a mop and they dance together. Uh, and there's no reason for that scene to exist. Nope. Um, and then he, he walks in and he meets, he meets up with Dr. Howdling, his, his assistant, his assistant. And like, I'm going to tell you what they should have called him. Uh, they should have called him nerd classic, nerd glasses, McMustache. Cause that's who Dr. Howdling is. He's just, he's got these giant glasses and this horrible little mustache. Um, Nerd glasses, big mustache. And then they meet Willard, who is the the Happy Birthday Polly robot, who has a full personality. Yes. Like, like he can interact with people. He can respond to commands. He's got, he tells jokes. At one point, he hits on the receptionist. Like, he's got a fully functioning, like, this is the, this is the absolute greatest achievement in the history of humankind you built a a robot brain that can think and interact and have a personality and tell jokes and get anxious about stuff and be sarcastic and hit on receptionists like this is amazing amazing feat of science that they have done and everyone treats it as though it's the most normal thing in the world it's just amazing how far ahead we were on the AI discussions and how this murderous robot has taken us back in time. Uh, right. Because it had to be wrangled in. So. Right. Um, so the Sister City Los Angeles delegation of scientists um, have come to see the progress of the project. A demonstration of the new Endo chassis. Um, Cold Iron hopes they brought wheat germ and desiccated liver because you can't get it anywhere like you can in L.A. And the robot asks, huh? And he's like, oh, you know, wheat germ and desiccated liver um, for my handball game, son. He says son to the robot. And it's like, it helps with reflexes and, and endurance. He walks away and the robot goes, yeah, I got your handball game right here, pal. It's the funniest thing that happens this entire movie. 
the robot implying that he's doing a grab his crotch joke to a to a to his boss who is walking away from him about the I also like I can't explain what was going on. Like, how did my brain go from murder on the side of the road? Extremely like no cop thing. No extremely long ranch no. scene to the like this was a this was a lot. Um so he goes into this conference room. He says, as you know, we scientists are like degreed science fiction writers we are the prognosticators of the future of course it's all my fault that our benefactors keep giving this project money i don't know why that would be your fault isn't that the point of the anyway um a film strip starts and i want you to describe what we see on this film strip kate um (laughs) well (laughs) <laughs> no <laughs> okay fine fair enough it's a robot it's a robot toy that's like um got like tubes running in and out of it and a big metal skull head um actually it's too tiny for its body and then it's got like weird red visor wrap around sunglasses and it's uh it's a robot doing the robot like it's just he's really dancing. Just, like he's, he just he's dancing. He's up at one point. He's like he strikes a kung fu pose, but he's just doing this thing. And it's just it's a film. It's a film. Like it's not like they're actually seeing the thing. They're seeing a film of it. And then the weirdest shit starts happening. <laughs> Everyone in this in this conference room starts making Beach Boys references. One guy says, "I'm Doctor Brian from the Wilson Academy." Brian Wilson. Another, another woman says, this is, a, this is, this is a, how, how does this thing move without gears? I mean, I get around, but I've never seen anything like this. I get around. And then guy says, like, what, what, what's up with this, uh, with this new alloy you said, uh, is it, does it have some kind of good vibration to it? You worked in a good vibrations reference? So anyway, then the last guy. You, the they last, went so far out of their way to do so. I like. Then the last guy says, um, uh, God only knows this is spectacular. I don't know what you're watching, sir, but there's no way this is spectacular. No. And that's a great Beach Boy song. It is a great Beach Boy song, it's but I don't know why they're making way. references to it. I it was so weird. And like, it's not as if the robot that was doing the robot right. was... There was no yeah. Beach Boys music playing in the background. He was not doing Beach Boysy. Yeah. Yeah. But he, the robot was like the robot looked like it was malfunctioning. Right. It's it's a terrible stop motion thing. Like they're doing claymation, but with this weird like like silver robot toy. Let's say how can it, how can it do this without tubes? The robot is nothing but tubes. It's just tubes. And it like it leaves its ass behind. I wrote that in my notes. Where mm-hmm. like the motion, mm-hmm. like three quarters of its abdomen yep. move with it, yeah. and then yep. like the yep. back is just still. It's yeah, so See, so. Coldiron mentions a Doctor Steele from Houston who made this thing. He, she she made the the um uh, and how it's uh, it's a previously unknown alloy. 
No one, but the alloy be, can remember things. He says the alloy can remember commands, so you don't need gears or tubes. It's got a lot of tubes, but like it, it you don't need gears or tubes because the metal itself remembers former commands, so you can teach it. You can give it a command to learn Tai Chi, and it will learn Tai Chi, and then we'll be able to do Tai Chi. Tai Chi, of course, is just a robot doing a robot. Right. Yes. No. That is the beautiful martial art of Tai Chi. Is just. Um, he says next year, next year, if you'll come back, we will show you something that won't be ready for twenty-five more years. He says, <laughs> "What is he? Like, I hope they're expensing all this air travel. This is ridiculous." Um, and to so, again watch a film of something that will exist in twenty-five years. The the whole reason they came here was for a four and a half minute presentation. I mean, thank. I mean, they, talk about this could have been an email. If there was email in 1984, this is the most this could have been an email meeting ever. Ever. Also, like, if the alloy can remember things, is your first and only use case for it mm-hmm. robot mm-hmm. cops made mm-hmm. out of it? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, uh, the guy, there's a guy comes in and he's very concerned about making his glasses stay on his face a lot. Uh, Captain Coldiron, sir, there's a phone call for you from Division. It's Commander Bugler, sir. He's, uh, oh, and um, they, they make some jokes about how fat he is, a couple of them. Of course. He's puffed up like a poison toad. I, I told him to lay up. He hasn't had a bowel movement in a week. I told him to lay off that home cooking. He, th- he, he was 39 years old before he realized gravy wasn't a beverage. And then we see this guy who's not remotely fat. Uh, who's talking talking on the phone? There is a phone conversation between Cold Iron and his boss, Commander Bugler, that I could do an entire review on for <laughs> a full hour of just this conversation. It is bonkers. I cannot I, I cannot go into detail about all of it, except for that you have to know that this dude is like some weird, like um combination of like foghorn leghorn and and all of the angry like police captains from all the movies of the 80s um and, and uh so um the what he is telling him is that uh, the senator donald d douglas who is the benefactor of this project called bugler at five in the morning to tell him he's got to come up with product He's got to finish this this whole project, create your full prototype in in sixty days, so that we so we can show it off to everybody and say I'm taking credit for this. I gave all the money to it, okay. But also crucially, he should not have been giving money to it because he says that the senator has been skimming millions from here and there, giving it to the mayor who took his cut, then gave it to me. Then I took my slice and it worked its way down until we gave it to you. So he's been working with a much smaller percentage of the original budget 
which the senator should not have had because he's been embezzling it from different funds around Washington. But that's okay because this is the holy grail for the senator. And when it's a fully fledged thing, a cop who's a robot who can kill people for speeding, then he'll be like, look, it's a robot who can, a cop who can kill people for speeding. Don't you all love it? This is my idea. Don't ask me where I got the money from to make it, but it's my idea. Don't you all want to vote for me for president? Um, it's October and there's an election in six months. So I don't know if there's like, if in this version of 84, all presidential elections happen in April, but um, we're not going to focus on that. So um, he says that if you don't deliver product in 60 days, um, uh, then um, uh, then myself and the mayor and a whole bunch of other government people are going to go to jail for misappropriation of state and federal funds because there's no way the senator's going to jail. He's going to burn all of us. And oh, by the way, you're going to jail too. And let me tell you, son, the reason he's doing this, for the same reason a dog licks itself, boy, because it can. And uh, so that's this, this, it's a 12-minute scene. I don't, they're just talking to each other. There's, you, you try and burn me on this, I'll make so much noise, it'll be like two skeletons making love in a tin coffin, brother. I don't know why he turned into Hulk Hogan in that scene. It but started a little Jesse Ventura and then really pivoted into Hulk Hogan. This scene is bananas. It is so long. It's so he's overwritten. So, oh my god, it's hysterical. Like, he's so mad at everyone. He's so mad about the situation. Mm -hmm. He's mad about the robot. He's mad at the senator. He's just... And I told him, 60 days? That's crazy. Like, it's just... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe 60 months. No, you're going to have product in 60 days, or I'm going to basically burn the whole thing to the ground. Um, uh, But he says, let me tell you something, hair doctor. (laughs) Like, like he just gives him all these ridiculous things. Um, So, uh... He, um, he he says, um, you're not pulling, that's about as far as I'm going to let you stick it, Earl. Correct. You're not pulling my strings. No, Cold Iron. I'm pulling your plug. You're off this project as of right now. Um, you give the keys to the project to your assistant and you get the hell out. And so uh, then he does. He hangs up. So he's, he's, he's quit. He says, I quit. I quit. I'm done. I'm not going to be part of anything. I quit the force. I'm leaving. Um, and so uh, he walks out and he's they they create comedy cop. I don't know why they created comedy cop. Comedy cop's like, hey, sir, I need you to get you down to the firing range and get you qualified for the year. And then the guy snaps at him. Cold Iron does. And he even makes this voice. Oh, Oh, sure, no, no problem, sir. No, no, you know, it's, it's okay, sir. No, it's all right, sir. Bye, 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 sir. That guy never shows up again. Nope. Nope. He was there for he the parody this, version. He does this whole thing with howling. We're like, how? What's up, sir? I'm leaving. Cold iron just jumped down my throat. Um, what? Uh, what? What for, sir? Um, I'm giving you the keys. The keys to what, sir? To the Holy Grail, howling. And he leaves. And like Halloween still has no idea what the hell's going on. But then no, uh, uh, Willard shows up and Willard clears his throat. The robot who doesn't have an esophagus Crucially or does a- not have air pipes goes howling <clears throat> uh, um, a priority call from a division. It's uh, Commander Bugler wanted to 
speak to you, sir. Um, and uh, like, I don't know. This robot is so advanced. They so can't make the other robot, thing? but this robot put this robot's brain in the body that you already have built. It's so it feels like they're playing like Pong on the screen that they're using. Yes. But then the robot is incredibly advanced. Like you have oh, yeah. early 80s graphics and a human yeah. being level robot yeah. who looks yeah. like Lord Farquaad yeah. from Shrek. Yeah. So Cold Iron calls Penny, tells him, tells her he quit. They're going to meet for lunch. Then um, Howdling comes out of Cold Iron, Coldy Ron's office and, um, and, and and Willard's like, so wh- what did Commander Bugler say? Uh, cold iron's out. I'm the project hag now, and I've got 60 days. 60 days to what? To deliver product. But that's not impossible. We can't the, the 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 robot immediately switches to being anxious and scared. But that's impossible. We can't we get to 60 days. We can't deliver product in 60 days. What happens if you don't deliver product in 60 days? Then I'm off the project and your project head. Because Willard is third in command on the most advanced robotics product project in the world. Um, and then then Willard looks down at the thing of fries that Howdling is carrying. I don't know why he's carrying the fries, if only for this joke. Because Willard looks down at the fries and goes, you're going to finish those fries? Because the robot can eat and is hungry. And has an esophagus. And has an esophagus. But this is not an advanced enough robot. This is not an advanced enough robot. You can't just take the brain out of this robot and put it in the endo chassis. But that's crazy talk. So then there's a a montage of Penny arriving at this fancy restaurant, getting escorted to her table by the Mater D and eating with, um, with, with Cold Iron. They never show him telling her about what's happened. Like, it's all done under this v- very cheesy ballad, like, hideaway. Even we gotta find a hideaway. <laughs> we gotta find a hideaway to hide our love away. We gotta find... And it's all done... So, I told you this, Kate. Oh, the firearms supervisor on the film... <laughs> Sang two of the songs on the soundtrack. This one, a duet with his actual wife. And the first one, the country song. This guy was really, really talented as a as a songwriter. Like the, he had a breadth of different styles he could do. He was a terrible firearm supervisor. We'll talk about that later. The guns change in people's hands from, from shot to shot. He's a terrible firearm supervisor. It's a miracle nobody was killed. But he's a pretty good songwriter. So, anyway. Even Rhoda had a montage. Um, Always paid so, uh, out in a montage. <laughs> um, Howdling and Willard are trying to figure shit out. So, Howdling very stupidly says, turn on all the impulse commands. All of them. But just you're start an them, idiot. Just, just start them all. <laughs> And Willard is like, that's bad. What if there's accidentally an electrical current? Um, and and then Howdling says, what do you think this is? A low-budget sci-fi film? What could possibly happen? So at least okay. they're aware. They're Parody. self-aware. They're, the, the movie is self-aware. 
Um, now we see Shoe Boogie. Shoe Boogie is the janitor. Um, he is hitting on a random lab technician um, who is t- emptying test tubes into other test tubes. To clarify, um, the people... Li- the Women get hit on by a yes. robot and uh-huh. a guy named Shoe Boogie. Shoe Boogie, the janitor, <laughs> who says he's Native American, and he says, "Thank I thank God my ancestors have gone off to the happy hunting ground so they're not around to see this racism. Uh, he implies that the reason she doesn't want to give him... Slip me those seven digits, mama. The reason that she doesn't want to do that is because she's racist against Native Americans. Correct. Um, he takes his headphones off and sets them on a on a weird little contraption, and the movie goes round. So to tell you that, like, oh, that's a bad thing. That that's a bad thing that's just happened. Um, Who would have thought hit... setting every impulse control live would have resulted in something negative happening? Shoe boogie is his name. Uh, hits on her um, and says, "I'll prove I'm 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 uh, Native American." Uh, because I will give you instant Indian lore, he says. The the my people, the Red Apache, had a way of killing people where you'd tie a limb uh, to each to four different horses and slap all the horses on the ass, and they run away. And they pull their arms and legs off. That's important because that's how they try and kill Rotor later. Spoiler alert. Um, so they, at least they're setting up stuff, which is I I guess I could say, but why they're setting it up with Shoe Boogie, a character who appears in this scene and only this scene, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, an absolute legend in cinematic history. Yeah, we don't even really know why his name's Shoe Boogie. He just we don't did. know why Shoe. And and to this day, nobody knows who played him. His name is not the character is not listed in the credits. There is not a person accounted for in the opening credits who is not listed in the end credits. Shoe Boogie does not exist. Nobody, he was never in any other films. Nobody knows who the hell Shoe Boogie was. Do you think Rotor took out Shoe Boogie? I don't know. Um, Well, Shoe Boogie takes out his comb to say, once you go red, you never get out of bed. And then, like, his metal comb, he reaches and touches his headphones, which are now touched to the two pylon things, creates an electrical charge. Oh, no, the electrical charge that was never going to happen happened because of Shoe Boogie and his comb and his headphones. Um, and that drains all the batteries everywhere to give all of the impulse to what? We don't know. What it turns out to be is that even though there is supposed to be maybe 60 months we could have a prototype, this is crazy. They already have a fully functional, physically functional, cyborg android? Like it's got metal on the inside, but it's got actual human flesh on the outside, complete with mustache? And you um, have the brain of another advanced robot. You could have just put Willard in this guy and been done. But it seems like a good way to expedite the timeline. <laughs> they say that there's no chance it could be done in five years. However, they already have the robot cyborg android in a little hyperbaric chamber right. that then comes to life. And it like 
They have two, and they have two, but they're like, it's going to take 25 years for us to equal four. Right. Like, you have um, the brain of one, and you have so the hyper chamber of another. Like, you have the endoscopy. They show up at Penny's apartment with stakes the size of tennis rackets. Yes. They're the they're two of them for two people. Uh, they're so they're so gigantic. Um, and so she ran out of charcoal last week, so he's got to go back to the mini mart uh, just in time to foil a robbery. He pulls up, and all he sees is a guy sitting in a car at the pump, not pumping gas, and immediately he knows there's a robbery going on. Now yeah. he's right, but I don't know how he figured this out. So he goes over and intimidates this dude calls him a dirt wad um, and makes the driver drive away because he flashes his gun. Okay. Yes. Basically we keep, they keep telling us he's just a lab jockey. He's not a real cop, but he's right. absolutely in this scene, dirty, hairy. And like arms and yeah, like. Um, so uh, he, um, then he, he goes over to one of those little things you put the, the change in and they open it up and there's newspapers inside and he does and he takes the newspaper out and he folds it around his gun and he goes over and, and punches a guy in the gut and, and, and knocks him out uh, with one more punch to the face with his newspaper gun fist. I don't know how he knew that guy was part of the robbery, uh, but, he, but he does because he's really smart. He's Sherlock Holmes. Um, and uh, so, so then um, uh, the guy backing out of the, the, the place with a hostage, a, la a lady, he's supposed to be, I think, Mexican because, because Cold Iron says, easy, greasy. I'm like, okay, all right, enough. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, he says, what are you going to do, copper? You don't even have a gun. All you got is a newspaper. And he's like, well... Joke's on you, because this newspaper is actually a gun. He flows gun, the gun. newspaper out of the gun, yeah. and he shoots the guy and kills him. Uh, and then another guy comes out of the thing, after apparently having robbed the place. And the hostage lady is apparently a kung fu expert who, yes. who kicks his ass. And then Cold Iron says, hey, lady, you want a job? We never see that lady again. She's nope. gone forever. Never. never well, she's, nope. she's training the rest of the force in kung fu. Right. Um, um Crucially, the Mexican guy that they call Greasy also turns around and calls him White Boy. <laughs> mm -hmm. Hey, White Boy. Hey, Blondie. Um, so, um, that was at 5 p.m. The next thing we see, because they keep showing us what time it is and what day it is. Yes. So, it goes from Thursday, 5 p.m. They go ahead and to tell you that they can't tell time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thursday, 5 p.m. Now, Thursday, 8.30 p.m. He is on the, the, the car phone in his car. Calling his girlfriend. His, his girlfriend sent him to the mini mart to pick up charcoal at five. He calls her at 8.30. Three and a half hours have gone by. Um, I wonder if she was worried what happened to him. Turns out he was foiling. He had a gun shot at him, but the guy missed. He's fine. So there's a streetwise young black detective called Moki. I had to run it back several times because I thought Cold Iron was calling him Monkey. And I was like, please don't, please tell me that's not the nickname for this streetwise young black detective. No, mm -hmm. his name is Moki, I guess. Um, so he's like, he looks like Urkel with a mustache. So I don't know why yeah. he's supposed to be like, hey, like, he says, why don't you stay in the lab, Captain? Leave the cop work out on the streets. 
to the real cops. This guy just foiled the robbery single-handedly, well, with the help of a hostage. Uh, and, like, he diagnosed it and figured out how, exactly how to do it immediately. He also just killed a guy and has no compunctions about it at all. Correct. Which means he's a, killed before. A he's lot. Killed, but he's, he's killed before because he just shot a dude and has no – he never gives it a second thought. No, in this guy's defense, like – he is supposed to just be a lab guy, so he shouldn't be playing cop. No. But isn't he already playing cop right. by putting right. it in the lives of a robot? Mm-hmm. Yes. He should, he, he, well, he talks about it, actually, later. about Are we playing he God? Does. He says he does. Um, so, so Haddling and Withered are, are, in, are in the rotor office, um, and... Uh, and all the batteries are drained, but the Android cyborg in there in this and the hyperbaric chamber looks fine. He looks fine. He'll be fine. Um, he must be okay. Even though there's like a fog in the chamber, which only started happening once the electrical current started. So that doesn't seem right. Anyway, so they leave figuring, figuring everything's fine. Let's call it a night. We'll come back in the morning. Um, so he gets out of the chamber rather easily by just like pressing his hand lightly up against the ceiling of the thing. Um, he gets out. We can see through his eyes, which are just like weirdly like washed out, reverse like like negative thing. And there's a a, a crosshairs in the middle of it. Um, and uh, he walks into the locker room, a- apparently nude. There's no one else in the locker room, but he has his own locker. He is an android cyborg who's not supposed to be ready for at least five years, but he has his own locker that says <laughs> Rotor with his badge number two twenty two on it. And he opens it up and he has his own uniform that is just made for Rotor. It's a leather jacket that has a big patch on the side of it that says Rotor. He has um, he has a, a motorcycle helmet. The motorcycle helmet, hold on. The motorcycle helmet looks like this. Um, but it has a big, cool sticker on the side of it um, that says Rotor with a big eagle on it. And... Um, then the sun, he has sunglasses like the ones Kate are wearing in this picture. But Correct. crucially, he does not look anything like the cop rotor thing in the middle of this. Um, he just looks like a regular dude with a mustache. Okay, but who cares? Because look at us in that picture. Yeah, that's true. Look at us. Holy um, shit, we look good. Yeah. Um, so uh, he, he, walks to, he walks to go get his motorcycle from the motor pool. He, someone has has lovingly placed his motorcycle that says Rotor on it to execute, to judge and execute, not to serve and protect, to judge and execute. Um, that has been spray painted on this stenciled on the side of his motorcycle that says Rotor on it um, and has been lovingly placed in a corner uh, behind some velvet ropes. So he just walks over to it. Well, he. Talk, he he pie faces some guy who's asking for a donation to the policeman's ball for some so reason. So aggressive and unnecessary. And then he walks through a bunch of plastic chairs that have been set up for a presentation that's going to happen apparently in the parking garage to prove how powerful he is. He walks through some plastic chairs, like brushing them aside with his strides. And then he gets on his motorcycle, which has been gassed up Five years at minimum before he's supposed to be a thing, and he drives off into the night. I think it's just good to be prepared. True. 
Um, true. You have a point in that perhaps, um, you know, maybe you wouldn't have even predicted advances in, in motor vehicles for 25 years. Um, uh, so, uh, they're looking at the computer rebounds. They can't figure out what's going on, how to Ling and, and, and Willard are. And they're like, ah, it's fine. And Willard says, I think this is how Terminator started. <laughs> He's actually the best part of this whole thing is Willard, the robot. The best. Um, the best. So cut to the, cut to the world's uh, most sexist man having an <laughs> argument with his fiance in a car about why she can't go to work after the honeymoon because it's embarrassing for a guy to have his wife work. Yeah. Um, so the, the argument escalates until she reminds him that they can't go to IHOP at, at two in the morning because <laughs> he promised he would lose 10 pounds for the wedding. And then he just starts speeding recklessly. Um, you, so she says, let me out worst. of this car. You let me out of this car right now. And he pulls the car over. Uh, uh, the problem was, as he started speeding, Rotor was there, and he saw him speeding. And the computer says, "Computer says, computer says, violation, excess speed." That's what it says on his computer. So he's got to go and kill him. Um, so the guy pulls over, and he goes around to the because she won't get out. Once she says, "Let me out," he she won't get out. So because in the middle of nowhere, so he goes around to the passenger side, passenger side door, presumably to grab his fiance and throw her out of the car. And then Rotor shows up and he's like, oh, it's okay, honey. It's a policeman. And she's quite, she's very good at this. She goes, a policeman this far out of the city, like a Dallas policeman. That's weird. Um, and he's like, Hey, I was just telling my girlfriend, uh, how great it is. You guys have been cleaning up this area. Matter of fact, I'll bet you 20 bucks. You're going to write me a ticket, right? So he bribes Rotor and Rotor shoots him. And the head. Which, and, honestly, um, good for Rotor. Yeah. Um, and, Rotor was like, I'm getting your money, and yeah. I'm going to kill he, you. Um, he, uh, he drops to his knees and falls over, um, uh, but grabs at Rotor as he falls. Okay? It's important for a second. Um, so then he oh, he's going to shoot the girl who wasn't driving. But we right. can find out later, she is an accessory to a major traffic violation and therefore deserves death. Um, so she hits the horn accidentally while ducking and the horn makes him go all haywire. Like he can't stand loud noises. He's like Venom in, in the Spider-Man movies. Yeah. It's a um, weird one. Cause he's a robot. Right. So, um, so, uh, he backs, she backs up and knocks him over, um, and then drives off and he sits up like the undertaker <laughs> gradual, gradually stands to his feet gradually uh, balls up his fists, gradually turns around, and gradually walks back to his bike, gradually strides it, gradually starts it, and gradually goes after her. She has been speeding away for a full two minutes, and he catches <laughs> up to her like that. Um, she's, she's like to herself, this is crazy. This is crazy. This, that can't have been, I can't, I, this, that was not what I saw. I didn't see it. He's still following me. I know what I'll do. I'll pull over, give him my license and registration. He'll write me a ticket and everything will be fine. I just backed him over. I backed over him, but he'll just think that was a misunderstanding. She's not very smart in this situation. No, considering, uh, I'm going to speeding is punishable by death. I'll just talk it out with a man who shot my fiance in cold blood. There's no chance he's not for, actually a for cop. speeding. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, so he comes to the to, to her window and he reaches in like way too high for where her hood her head should be. He's just doing this a lot. He's very clumsy. So then she is able to speed away with him hanging onto her door, but he falls off on the side of the road. I can only assume he gradually sits up, gradually gets to his feet, <laughs> gradually balls his fists, gradually turns around, etc. Um, it's very weird how advanced he is and mm-hmm. how um like he can't do really basic things like they, they figured out they figured out how to put flesh on a robot that looks like a person. Correct. On day one. They couldn't figure out how to make it move fast or or like you know, know to reach lower mm-hmm. than higher. Yeah. Spatial bad. awareness is bad. Um so uh, the, the a cop finds the dead sexist fiance who still is clutching Rotor's name tag in his cold dead hands. Um, so they beep Cold Iron, uh, who's sitting uh, on on Penny's couch with her asleep uh, in his lap. It's very it's very cute. Um, and he calls in and like, uh, hey, uh, this is Detective John Mango uh, with the sheriff's department. Uh, we we found a dead guy out here who's clutching a police name tag. We ran it through the system and came up. Uh, it's something in your division, in, and it says Rotor. It's like, take no action, John Mango. Do you hear me, Detective Mango? Take no action. I want you to sit on this. I'm gonna handle it personally. Now I don't know if they can find out when they ran Rotor's number uh, uh, name through the system. If they can find out that the guy who was supervising him also quit earlier that day and is therefore not actually a cop anymore. But apparently they can't. So, um, uh, so. Um, so her name is Sony. It's short for Sonia, but everyone calls her Sony. Sony, um, Sony uh, goes to a a, 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 um, a gas station um, uh, and uses the payphone to call 911. They want her to stay there. But she says, no, he's after me, so I'm going to keep moving. Um, and then here comes Rotor right after she leaves. Apparently, he's not ready yet, and except for four or five more years, but um, he can recreate the past. <laughs> by looking in a general direction he can see what happened even though he wasn't there to see it correct which is they've figured out how to put that in his brain but not how to reason between somebody who committed murder and somebody who committed speeding yeah and like he can't just move faster no he also can't walk fast true um so um so then he knows where she went and so he drives after her uh, Cold Iron goes to the lab and realizes Rotor got out, and he has a weird Q and A session with the computer. Like, Q, where is Rotor? A cannot answer. Q, why not? Like, he's just having this weird AIM conversation. It's he's doing very. Uh, he's he's an, talking to smarter child. He's yeah. doing an AOL instant messenger conversation with the higher computer, which is controlling Rotor. Um, and uh, just the eighties. Um, so then he, he, um, he goes to his office and he calls Willard. Doesn't call Howdley. He calls Willard, the robot that apparently has a phone number and I guess a residence at which you can call his phone number. Because Willard is like, "Oh, hi, how's it going?" It's it's late. Like like he's asleep or something. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, no, I'm. Yeah, we know we we we. He wasn't there. He's fine. It's all there. No, Roto got out, and I love that that he goes. Oh, okay. Well, I'd like to take this opportunity to tender my resignation. Yep. <laughs> robot, that was actually really like, clever. Like in a very dry way, quits because he realizes he's gonna be fired anyway. That was funny. 
Um, and then we, I don't think we ever see Rope Willard ever again. Bye bye, Willard. You were great. That was it. Yeah. Um, then, um, then he calls Bugler. No, he calls, he calls Mango to get a sit rep. Then he calls Bugler. You're getting your wish. He got out 59 months early. You got your uh, 59 days early. You got your wish. It's justice served COD, which is cash on delivery, which I don't know if there's any cash being exchanged when he serves justice. Um, you call the senator and you tell him that Rotor would walk through a busload of nuns to get to a jaywalker, which is a great line, but belongs in a much better film. Correct. Um, this is a terrible line. He says, it's like a chainsaw set on frappe, which I don't <laughs> feel like is actually a thing. Um, this is, I'm going to go get him. And when I do, I'm going to ram him down City Hall's throat. And then um, uh, Bugler is like, Rotor is not my problem. He says, you're right. He's not. I'm your problem. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, which sounds like a direct threat of a superior. I wonder if that's going to work out for him. Yeah, I feel like that uh, in mm. general doesn't turn out great. Sonia goes to the back door of a kitchen, some diner somewhere uh, in the restaurant. He's gonna, she's going to sit there and wait to be murdered. She says she's not going to stop moving, but then she blatantly stops Immediately moving. Immediately stops moving. Um, so, um, um, so she leaves her car right out back of the place so, everybody, so the guy can easily see it. She leaves the, the door wide open. Um, the waitress says, sorry about the TV. We've got to keep it on until the homecoming is over. It is now 3 a.m. When is the homecoming over? Um, what homecoming? Like a parade? Because it sounds like a parade, like a marching band is playing at 3 a.m. as part of the homecoming, you know, for the local university, like they do. I know you usually uh, don't really care about things like time and logistics in movies. But I don't. It I is don't. it is pretty egregious in this one. Even I was like, come on, man. <laughs> a lot of points in this. <laughs> And then here comes Rotor, obviously, easily yeah. tracking her down, using his recreate a memory that he didn't see, uh, her getting out of the car running in the back door. So he breaks open the back door and fights the fry cook, who has big, bright, chiclet-sized buck teeth for some reason. Yeah, what was this? Yeah, he's got giant, fake, like, huge, like... Bugs Bunny-sized buck teeth. And he's dead because uh, Rotor smushed his face on the griddle. Yeah. Um, then, he, then he breaks open the door from the kitchen to the restaurant. You hear people vaguely screaming and running away as the camera gradually pushes in to Rotor. Everyone has run away from the restaurant except for Sony, who's just sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> and left the then, door open for this stuff. All right. And then she... Uh, she she starts running because he comes after her. So she like runs around and leaves him behind a table. She runs out past three drunken rednecks. Uh, the first guy uh, calls the, uh, the uh, Rotor uh, a gay slur uh, and then decides he's going to fight him. And Rotor immediately beats him up. And then the second dude, bald beer belly, uh, decides he's a Kung Fu expert in tight jeans and tries to kick him once, that doesn't work, and he gets backfisted and he falls over. The third dude is a muscle, is like a, a bodybuilder. And he's like, all right, you're going to fight a real man. Takes down the straps, because there is suspenders, then puts thumbs behind his tank top and just opens it up like an apron. 
I don't know if that was like intentional. If that's how strong he is. Then he flexes once and grabs Rotor around the lapels, and Rotor immediately kills him with a few punches. Yeah. I don't know what why why why, why this is a thing. So um, then she um, she walks out uh, to her car, opens the door, but she's not there. So he punches the headrest. <laughs> she runs to a nearby gas station and hides out in this weird kiosk thing made of unfinished plywood that somebody had obviously built in the span of fifteen minutes, ten minutes prior to the shot. We can see a big sign that is partially covered by a column it says b-i-g space then two letters are covered up then c-k apostrophe s so it's either big jacks big ricks or big cocks i'm not really sure what is the name of this of this gas station but um Alex, what, so, what number episode is this this is number 69 right so it's okay, number three it's number three so then he uh he immediately can recreate her ducking into this kiosk goes over to the kiosk, uh, then reaches through the little um, hole that they have to pass money through, and grabs the, the 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 attendant and pulls him out of the thing through the glass, and then reaches clumsily into the thing as she runs out the back door of the kiosk and runs away. She jumps into the cab of um of of a of a of eighteen wheeler, and the driver gets out on his side, and then um uh. Uh, they have a gunfight with with the cop. Both guys get shot. The driver is dead, but the cop just gets shot in the stomach. He'll be okay. I He'll guess. be fine. Um, then um, Cold Iron uh, shows up, just drives up. Like, he found her. He knows where she is. Um, she uses the horn of the... Listen, she is inside the cab of an 18-wheeler, and she hits the horn. And he is crippled. He falls to his knees. That's how loud it is. Then she decides to get out of the cab. You could live in there. As long as you're still hitting that horn, he'll never get to you. Why did you get out of the cab? And when she jumps out of the cab, she hurts her ankle. And she has to be helped into Cold Iron's Isuzu Trooper by Cold Iron, who then gets in a fist fight with Rotor. Um, and then she jumps out the passenger side of, of her thing, runs back to her car, and speeds off. Um, Cold Iron shoots a six-shoot revolver at him, um, uh, and then later in the next scene, he's holding his Desert Eagle auto, uh, semi-automatic. Correct. Uh, the firearm supervisor is terrible. He writes a good song, though. Um, so, uh, But he also shows him a golden Pez dispenser. Which stops him cold for a second, and then he goes and he runs off and he tries to go find her. Luckily, Golden her Pez dispenser felt like his kryptonite. Yeah, um, lucky. Luckily, her small two-door sports car has a CB radio in it, which I don't think it came standard in 1984. Um, but that's what Cold Iron uses to call her on. Uh, and then he shoots at Rotor's motorcycle, hitting it a few times, but not him. He wants her to keep driving. Don't go home. Don't stop for help. Just keep moving. Um, and so Rotor will keep chasing her. Um, so his rationale is that if he stays going after her, it won't get distracted and kill anybody else, not counting all the people he's already killed. Or at least severely beaten. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. So... 
Um, then she, he says, meet me at Kane's Fishing Lodge at Lake Dallas at 4 p.m. It is currently 5.45 a.m. <laughs> he wants her to keep driving for over 10 hours. Yeah. I feel like she would have to stop for gas mm-hmm. or to go pee. Um, but it, but I don't know. Um, then he calls Dr. Corin Steele. In Houston, area code seven one five. He asked the operator, "We've ne- you see." He says on her answering machine, "We've never met, but I need you. I'll wait at the American Airlines counter at the at Dallas Airport. Um, Rotor is out." Now, while this is playing in the answering machine, Doctor Corin Steele walks through the door, carrying a gym bag. Um, She's built like a brick shit house. If anyone's ever been built like a brick shit house, it is Dr. Corin Steele. Big time. As soon as she hears the word Rotor, she drops her gym bag dramatically. Okay? That's it. We've never seen this person before. He's mentioned Dr. Corin Steele during the presentation to the Beach Boys aficionados. That's it. Um, I also feel like you should probably have had a contingency plan for if your killer robot that you were working on were to get out. Right, right. Especially, yes, yeah. So, all right. So, it is now 8.30 a.m. So, several hours have passed. Rotor is trying to repair his motorcycle at, like, a service station, doing it himself. Okay. I thought they told that he has zero high brain function. If I was programming a killer robot, the f- I would program how to distinguish between murder and speeding before I programmed motorcycle repair. I would figure out, like, the hierarchy of things you programmed into him seems to be entirely messed up. Or, like, remembering the past that he didn't witness. Also that. Um, So, uh, the garage guy brings out a little radio that apparently hurts his ears. So, um, garage guy takes very little notice of city motorcycle cop using his garage to repair his motorcycle. Like, he... With how nonchalant he is about this, this must happen to him four or five times all a week. All the time. That's a consistent then, thing in all of the movies we look at. People are not um, alarmed enough. No. Rotor punches the radio. And again, the other guy's like, Hey, officer, you know, that radio has an on-off switch. That radio has a family. But I don't know. They they gave him like some old timey, old west prospector voice, and then they show his face underneath a nearby car, and he looks like the beach's younger brother, <laughs> like a little shit stash and a mullet, yeah. and he's like eighteen. But then, dark. um, then he then Rotor picks up the the jumper cables and and holds them together so he can get some juice and go crazy. Um, but the guy, the garage guy sees this and stumbles over a bunch of spare tires as he runs away going, Oh golly, Bob, howdy, your feet don't fail me now. As he jumps into the back, the pickup, the, the bed of a passing pickup. What? Um, and Rotor now has fixed his motorcycle and is now driving off having now some more juice. Um, That's so, um, <sighs> Dr. Steele looks like she is made out of steel. She looks like she could bench press the Pyramid of Giza. 
She has a hairstyle that I can only describe as Pepe Le Pew with a perm. <laughs> a dramatic shock of white hair down the middle of her weird, like t- tight on the sides and curly on the top and the back mullet thing that she wears. It reminds me of um, what's her name from Glow? The Russian girl yes. from Glow. Yeah. It's very um, much in that style. Her travel attire looks like that of a librarian. Yeah, and okay. she's built like like when Jericho was really fit. Right. Okay. So, um <laughs> yes. So, um he 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 meets her at the gate. Uh there's this weird conversation between the two of them. Like I feel the movie has no idea what it is during this scene. There's supposed to be two of the greatest scientists in the world in their field. One of them is Dirty Harry and the other one is the wrestler China. Like <laughs> like that that is that is who these people are. Um, we made him so he could walk into the streets. This is what this is her saying this. By the way, this is the other character that was dubbed by a completely different actress. Oh, it's is so Dr. good. Steel. And it's she says, so We we made him so that he could walk into the streets of blood, the city of fire, the edge of destruction, and function perfectly time after time. But already everything has fallen apart. Um, so the golden pez dispenser is actually the deactivation key, though how it works, I have no idea. No, the thing that's she, she says, oh, come on. That's never going to work. That's impossible. He says, yeah, maybe. Maybe, as you say, it's impossible to bring him in. But let me ask you this. Can we bring him in? That's a sentence that has made... that No, no sentence has made less sense than that. No. And it felt like a weird carrying cross promo. Okay. He takes her to a fancy hotel in Dallas. There's a way too long shot of them getting her bags out of the back of his car for some reason. Um, So he says, I've done my homework. Let me ask you this. Can it be stopped? You just asked her that one minute ago. Um, uh, She says, I don't know. When I stack them, they stay stacked. What? So she checks into the hotel room, but they were supposed to give her the same number as his badge room. This is badge number 222. Yeah. So they're suspicious and it's superstitious. They get another one. Um, so she go up to that room only so she can change out of her weird librarian dress into her cyborg android fighting clothes. If she had just gotten on the plane in her cyborg android fighting clothes, they would have been able to skip this entire trip to a hotel. I'll check in. Yeah. Um, so that he said he has this weird speech. He says, Remember what I said at Rotor's christening? He says, First soldier in a future battalion on the battlefield highways of the future. He'll be the judge, jury, and executioner. Now I've got to wonder where were we playing God breathing life into our artificial atom, or have we lost sight of paradise? What was it Milton said? Did I request the maker to mold to the clay to mold me, man? Or did I elicit from darkness to promote me? Is it his fault he is what he is? Or is it ours? This is the most philosophical bullshit I've ever seen. He quotes John Milton. Like, the ends and the means are unjustified right. here. Then she just says, let's go get him. And then they run through everybody at the... At, Her? No selling it? Like, no, she was like, we don't have time to contemplate yeah, your yeah, did we play yeah. God bullshit. Like, we've got to get out of here. It's so good. Okay, she she says, um, um, something in this special a- 
um, alloy you created is allowing you to program himself using my lower brain functions. She says, if I miss, you'll be fighting your own baser, baser instinct. You'll have to allow yourself to fail. Use your failure against him. His weakness is your weakness. And he says, yeah, that's great, but I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> and she says, let's hope you never have to find out. Remember, you're the brains. I'm just the brawn. No, you're also the brains. You're also you're a, a world-accredited scientist. <laughs> so, so she says um she's she seems like she's saying me stupid doctor me punch hard you smart doctor you come up with ideas it is now 2 30 you are the boy i am rotor has found her somehow and follows her up to lake dallas where he tries to run her off the road with his motorcycle and she succeeds in running him off the road literally off a cliff he flies off a cliff she stops the car and runs in the opposite direction of the cliff that he just fell down. She runs for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of yards through the woods over rough terrain. Finally down to the beach. She has left him perhaps a mile in her dust. He's right there. We've never seen him move faster than maybe a turtle. A snail's pace, yeah. And he's right there. Um, So she says, what if I could... uh, Steel says, what if I could get close enough I could cause an electrical stimulation and run down all of his power? Says, no use. Just use the key. The key. I don't want to use the key. What if I get that close, though? Don't get that close, though. Why are you... Why is all of this stuff happening? They get off the road. Um. So, uh, they're like... I need, do you have do you know any Indian trackers? She says, I used to spend every summer on the reservation. Does that count? She says, I'm like a cemetery. I'll take anybody. What is this dialogue? So then they they find a footprint and she says, is it his? And he says, it sure as hell ain't Pee Wee Herman's sideburn Pee Wee Herman for some reason. Um, And then they're able to track him down to the lake where he's going to kill Sony. But she ran over a mile of rough terrain and they get out of the car and say, let's go cross country from here. Apparently they got back in the car and parked it right by Kane's fishing lodge because that's where his car is. It has that to is. be for this scene. There's yeah. a full uh, fight scene where uh, uh, Dr. Steele decides to do hand-to-hand combat with a, with a, with a, with a killer robot of some kind. Um, uh, and <sighs> there's all of this crazy stuff. She shoots him with a shotgun, then lays it down gently on the ground. Just keep shooting him with the shotgun. <laughs> Um, so then she also, tries, like, how she... have you, you created it? How do you not know how to kill it? Mm-mm. Um, uh, so then he, he, uh, he's going to shoot Dr. Steele and cold iron says, all right, the drill is over. That's enough. You can stand down now. And he approaches him with the golden Pez dispenser and the guy looks at it. And then he smiles and shakes his head and says, ah, uh-uh. so he has no brain function, but he can do this. Yeah, but he can manipulate. Yeah, right. So then, uh, Cold Iron is able to duck as he shoots him in the head, and uh, and then um, he says, "Hey, Sony, throw me that bag." And he uses all this primer cord that he has in a duffel bag in his jeep to like um, tie up him, like with a snare trap or whatever. Which we already established earlier fails. Doctor Steel jumps on him and tries to like. And uses her nails to rip open his flesh, and a bunch of green ooze comes out. But the next scene, his jacket is zipped all the way back up, so no green ooze. That she he puts he kills her with a bear hug. Basically, I yeah. wish I was. I wish Who I was. Lying. Martino killed, would have had this like locked up. He, 
he kills her with a bear hug. Okay. So, um, uh, then they are able to somehow lasso all of his arms and legs, like the blood Eagle from Shuboogie's, uh, story. Um, but it's all primer cord. And because, uh, and she says, Hey, back up the, the, the trooper. Back up the Isuzu Trooper, um, Sony, and she does. But then she brings it closer again for some reason and gets out of the car. If she just stayed in the car backing up, she would have been fine. But then he has to do this, okay? He has to say, um, okay. He has to explain to her, who got out of the car for some reason, that in his words, the robot's electrical charge is going to detonate the primer cord. Like, you have to explain all of that. You can't just say, he's going to blow. So because it takes so long, she's like, what? And then he explodes and kills her. She is dead. Sony is dead. Shrapnel from the exploding robot killed her. And so now we're back to the interrogation room where he has now explained all of this. So um, he says, I got a, I got a, I got a ranch. I got a horse. I got a pretty girl. I'm going to be fine. Unlike you all of you, I got a future. And he walks out. Famous last words. Literally famous last words. Yep. He walks out. He's walking across the parking lot. And he is shot in the back with a shotgun by a man in a trench coat. Camera spins around to reveal that is Commander Bugler, who then walks up to him and says, Justice served. C-O-D. Okay. I don't, you didn't, he didn't pay you. Like there's no, there's no cash on delivery. And then, so Commander Bugler shoots his subordinate officer in the back in broad daylight in front of the division command center of the Dallas Police Department. He is fine. Totally good. No, the, not not cold iron. He's dead. Commander Bugler receives no comeuppance No, that's what this. I mean. Yeah, there's no penalty. There's no, there's no suspension. There's no um, fanfare. There's no news. Okay, so... Um, they they set they send a letter. He's reading a letter that they send out loud to Brett Coldiron, Barrett's nephew, who was his sole heir, and therefore will be getting all of his research papers and uh, files and everything, all of the the material from this research. Thank God that Brett Coldiron, Barrett Coldiron's um, nephew, uh, is also a scientist who's going to Oxford University. Yes. Uh, so he can continue his research because they think there's going to be a Rotor 2. And why do I know that? Because they put it on the fucking screen at the end. It says Rotor 2. Um, but he then he says, he now he's the narrator. So he says, um, um, so he says that um, I realized the la- the worst the, the thing he didn't he did was his gravest mistake. He he neglected to program into Rotor the most important thing of of, of law enforcement officer human mercy, and he and he do he does all this stuff as the camera as the camera is spinning around the body of Doctor Corin Steele. It is heavily implied that if they made a sequel, Rotor Two would have been. Dr. Corin Steele, that, that they would have used her body with her spine snapped in half by Rotor 1 to be Rotor 2. But Alex, they, never... they say they need to program human mercy immediately after a chief murders his subordinate mm-hmm. in broad oh, yeah. daylight in all front all of the, the police. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I'm very upset there was not a Roche or two. Like, very. Yeah, me too. They should remake it now. Yeah, they should. Um, This is a movie you have to watch. It's amazing. I, I apologize in advance to some of you, but I'm making you watch this. Everyone, you can do it for free on YouTube. I don't. I don't feel do bad it. about it at all. This movie is incredible. <laughs> this movie is the epitome of this podcast. So it's yes, it really is. nice it is. It that is. we did this for episode number sixty nine. Because mm-hmm. uh, I would say, should we keep the flick in? Yeah, because it was yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah, yes. You have to watch it. It's incredible. There's, it's, it is just absolutely bonkers. I can't explain how bad the dialogue is in the most amazing way. I can't explain how none of the scenes flow into the scene after it, like, especially in the beginning in like a really disjointed way. Um, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, this is not nearly the most egregious thing, but earlier he refers to himself as Jay Barrett Cold Iron. And then uh, he signs a letter later, Barrett C. Cold Iron. So I don't <laughs> like the movie has no idea. There's no continuity. What whatsoever? No. So yeah, there you go. Uh, it. Maybe it was like a a voiceover thing. Could they were been. like, "This actor was this." Could thing. have been. Yeah, um, um, I will say, you have to see it. You don't have to see it eight times. That's no. a very specific Alex no. thing. That is my own personal cross to bear. <laughs> I am unable to d- listen. You do not want to live in this hell. I'm telling you, get <laughs> stay far away from it. If there was a pill I could take. <laughs> Keep the flick. Get Keep the Alex's flick in. fun little brain. Keep the flick in. Next week, next week, we will be doing something that is not this bad because it is my birthday weekend, so we'll be doing a good movie. Yeah. Um, so, so that'll be good. Uh, anyway, goodbye, everybody. Uh, next week, we will not be getting the flick out of here. Uh, bye, everybody, and have a good weekend. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Click the subscribe button and find out what it means to me. Nah, that doesn't have a ring to it. But if you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.